The Mandalorian, it's a show that a lot of people are talking about and for a good reason. Now you might be wondering why in the world are the preachers over there at Kingdom of the Logos going to talk about this? But hopefully, in all of this examination of the Mandalorian's worldview, there will be something of value in here, and we can realize that there are good stories to be told in our culture, and there are good values to actually be appreciated in television. Mm -hmm. So I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. This is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, and there is one other with me here in the studio. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And as we begin today, we're going to take a deep dive into this show where you find none other than Mando taking care of Baby Yoda, who is also known as Grogu. And everybody be warned, there will be spoilers in this. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, spoilers indeed. But we're going to get into some, some worldview going on. So, Pastor Amanda, could you pray for us as we begin this today? Sure, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings, uh, for this time and space to come together to have a conversation and to learn more about you and how you are acting in the world around us. So even in the silly conversation about a TV show, may you reveal yourself uh, and how we may love the world around us. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about the worldview. And there's a lot of people who have reviewed this, but we're going to see how this lines up with the Christian ethos in several of the themes that we find in Scripture. So... First off, whenever you're looking at a TV show or a movie and you want to find out what really is the worldview of it, what's the premise it's giving you and what's the moral that it's teaching you, well, you can find that out by asking what is the crisis, what is the problem, and then what is the antidote to that problem. It's a real simple formula. Sounds fair enough? Yeah. Sounds pretty easy to apply to various shows and movies. Sure. So in The Mandalorian, the crisis, the problem is, is that Mando has found himself with a child. A child has presented itself to him, and now he has the choice. He can take this child and raise it, or he can leave it to die. Evil is hunting this child, and all the world is trying to convince him just to step away from it. You know, just let the child be, protect your own well-being, just go on with life. Don't adopt this responsibility which you didn't ask for. Mm. So that's kind of the crisis. But then the antidote to this crisis is be a father, which is also something very rare in modern television. I think since The Simpsons come out, just about every father on television has been some form of Homer Simpson. But in this show, you find something totally different from that. Um, so Pastor Amanda, just initial thoughts really quickly on The <laughs> Mandalorian as we jump into all this and things you liked about it. And then we'll dive into the worldview show. Okay, well, that's a, I was about to say a quick review of Mandalorian. Um, might be difficult but no i think um this show does well to invite us into a complete world where people uh well aliens included but where the living beings react to the situations in a very realistic way it does become very um almost like a parable or an analogy without being overly preachy like they're still concerned with having a good narrative and, and storyline and character development but these are real people facing real problems even in a fictional world uh, sure. In a world we would never, uh, probably ever see. Um, I don't know if SpaceX will finally get us to Mars or whatnot. But um, but no, we do see kind of people acting how we think we would act in a situation of, of phenomenal fantasy in space. <laughs> sure. Well, let me get through a couple of themes real quick. Okay. I'm going to lay them out and then we'll come back and dissect them. First of all, the main theme and ethos to the whole show is that responsibility comes to you unexpectedly. 
things you don't ask for, they are there. This is kind of like in Esther chapter 4, that moment where Mordecai tells her, you know, perhaps you were born for a time such as this. You didn't ask to be queen. You didn't ask to have to save all of your people. You didn't ask to go into the situation which may kill you. And of course, Esther, she weighs it over and says, all right, if I perish, I perish. Mando has a moment that's quite a bit like that. You know, he didn't ask to be here. He didn't ask for this child. It's not even his biological child. But yet, that is his responsibility. He can own up to that which has been entrusted to him. And again, that's just innate with being made in the image of God. Whether you're a, a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve, that's innate to our calling. So that's one of the themes that's there, actually owning up to the responsibility that has just circumstantially been trusted to you. Another thing that's really found there is something which really gives meaning and magic to the larger Star Wars universe, and that's this whole idea that there's a deeper meaning going on beyond what's just immediately visible to the eyes, that there's a truth larger than yourself, that life is not just all nihilism, random accidents without meaning. You know, a lot of our modern world is kind of like that. We have sitcoms and things where there's a lot of situation, a lot of character, but not a lot of massive story arc. Well, Star Wars is about that deeper meaning where there's the battle between the light side and the dark side of the force and it's all going somewhere there's these cosmic powers and principalities which are hidden and you know in the church we know there are powers and principalities that are our, our chief enemies that we have to contend with fatherhood's also a very big theme here very well portrayed we also find this language of the way which is interesting in christianity of course christianity's oldest name is the way christ is the way the truth the life and for Mando, he believes there is this way that you can go. Now, there are others who try to say, oh, well, maybe that way is not really there. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Try to pull him away from that. And the last thing we'll talk about is the fact that evil likes to control. It's predatory. It wants to hunt. But evil is well portrayed in one of the episodes where you find an imperial officer who basically spells it out. He says, you know, we're, we're here to create chaos so that we can then imply and in, instill order. You know, people think they want freedom, but they really want order. We're here to make the chaos so that we can add our order as the antidote to that. So let's get back to that first of those themes, and I'll let Pastor Amanda respond to it. This whole idea that there's a responsibility you didn't ask for, but yet there you are. Kind of that Esther 4 moment. What do you think about Mando? Where, where do you see that going on all throughout the Mandalorian? Well, I mean, yeah, we see that early on when he when he finds the child. Um, and he, he even has his code tells him as a bounty hunter to be right in the code is to leave the child with the person who paid you to get it. And then he has to then decide what really is, what does it mean to live into who he is? Um, what, what is really right, not just the letter of the law. And then that's where he takes on this responsibility. And then he's told, okay, since you decided to save this child, now you have the responsibility to take care of it, either make sure it gets back to its family or you have to raise it. And there's kind of an indefinite end given to that. And then we see at the end of this past season. So again, this is a spoiler alert. Why are you watching this if you haven't seen Mandalorian? But anyways, um, at the end of the this season, he gets the Darksaber, which gives him now the responsibility to rule Mandalore, to unite the different clans uh, of Mandalorian, the different sects and sections of, of the Mandalorians, to unite them and to um, basically make a, a better Mandalore. And it will be interesting to then see how he takes that responsibility in the new season. 
But it is, it seems like that's all this character does is he get, keeps getting himself in places where he has to save somebody or take care of somebody or do something he didn't sign up for. Um, and he can't, almost like Boba Fett's line that he takes from uh, Jango Fett in episode two is, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Mando could go that way very easily and just look out for himself, but instead he has to take this opportunity to actually take this responsibility and do something with it. All right, let's back up and talk about two <laughs> competing things. Because in life, the world is not cut and dry. But yet, there is a way. There is a mm. calling God has placed on our lives to go forwards. For example, you talked about how Mando is a bounty hunter. He was commissioned to go out to this target and bring the target back. Now, the target, of course, is the baby Yoda, who... Grogu. <laughs> you know, all the things I thought they would do to ruin this show, they didn't. It, this show holds together so well. But, so, the code of the man, of being a bounty hunter says, well, you've got to take the target and hand it over to people. But then the code of the Mandalorian says, well, if this is a foundling in your care, mm. well, then the creed says you have to take care of it. So you've got the code of the Mandalorian that says, this one is in your care. And even though his people they have something to do with this magical power. They're sorcerers. They're an enemy of the Mandalorians. You still have to take him back to that enemy tribe to honor your code, which is in conflict with the code of being a bounty hunter. And you find all of these competing things. They're competing for Mando's soul, really. Mm. And he has to figure out how do you truly step into that way and do what is honorable and noble. And in life, that's actually how a lot of things are. Life is not cut and dry as much as we would like it to be. So oftentimes people will make kind of false dichotomies and things of that nature. But really you see in The Mandalorian this exercise in critical thinking that says, how do I be honorable in caring for the foundling without betraying who I am as a Mandalorian, even though the foundling is an enemy tribe? And do I just throw away the, the sin of being a bounty hunter? You know, like, what do I do with that? And you see those decisions being made and weighed out in, in real time in that show. And it's it's really great to see that. Yeah. And, and I think, again, that, that's where Star Wars has done well um, in many of its movies and shows, where it does have kind of this common person that is faced with uh, quite literally larger-than-life situations. You've got Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy. You have Rey in the sequel trilogy kind of have Anakin in the prequel trilogy although he's more example of what you do when you don't live into the responsibility you're called to uh, um, the book of judges yeah <laughs> things like that but you have this story where it is just this person um, who's just trying to make their way through the universe and all of a sudden they're combated with these decisions and you do you see that with Mando particularly but you also see with some of the side characters like Cara Dune sure. uh, the, the, uh, the sharpshooter and various other characters as they interact with Mando as they've got to decide like they thought their life was going to go one way they were really sure like this is what the right thing to do or even if it's not the right thing what they want to do but then as they've interacted with these different things how what is their moral compass yeah what will point them to true north um which actually makes no sense I guess if you're in space there is no true north but um to mix metaphors um, they've got to then decide where where they're going to go. And it, what's interesting then, like you said, to see these competing worldviews, um, how someone navigates that. And yeah, in our world today, we've got a lot of worldviews and we even have a lot of worldviews that can set themselves up as being pretty okay. Um, like not terrible worldviews. 
But then what, what do we do when those worldviews are challenged? And how do we navigate that? When do we decide, okay, that's not important, or this is important, or this was only important for a time? Um, or, and what, what really holds us together through the chaos of our life? Yeah. So there's a lot of things to kind of build off on that. Um, you look at Mando, kind of going back to what I was saying about how the push between being a bounty hunter and then honoring the creed of the Mandalorians, which, by the way, the Mandalorians, they are held together by a creed. There mm. is this truth larger than them, which brings us into our second theme, that there is something larger than you. And kind of you were saying there's not a true north, and there's not a true north in the sense of north because they're in space, so that <laughs> changes. But there is the light side and the dark side of the force. Mm. There are two poles that are constantly pulling in different directions. You can ignore that. Or you can do as Ephesians says, you know, the thief gives up giving, or the thief gives up stealing so that he can work with his hands and have something to give to the poor. Mando does that. Mando takes that path where he says, okay, I was the man, you know, fate came upon me. You know, Christ saw a man called Matthew. Fate saw a Mandalorian, Mando. And here is this child. What are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. The whole world says it's fine. You can kill the child, hand it over to them. Somebody else will kill him. Wretched Somebody else will, will take happen. care of or save them, yeah. Yeah. Or you can do something about it. You'll have to give up <laughs> what you were doing. <laughs> but stepping into that larger purpose brings me into that second theme that while there's not a true north in the conventional sense, there is that push and pull between the light side, the dark side. And even though that's not immediately obvious, the show does a good job to keep that magic of Star Wars going where there's that undergirding thread of those cosmic battles, those powers and principalities at war with one another. Sometimes they want the child just for his blood. Other times it's vengeance. You know, who knows? There are all these competing things, but in the end, there is that deeper cosmic battle. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of throw things back over to you to talk about that light side, dark side. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting... Um so when Lucas originally designed his story, at least what we have heard through uh, commentaries and things like that, um, movie commentaries, not biblical ones, anyways, um, but as he's telling the story, he really took these very general uh, ancient archetypes. So you have Luke Skywalker, who is the, the, the wide-eyed, almost naive hero. You have the rogue in Han Solo. You have the classic princess that has to be saved in Leia, and then you have the old wise men that guides the hero in, in Obi-Wan Kenobi. But then he sets this in a universe that is much bigger than that, and there's like twists and turns that each of these characters interact. For instance, like Leia is not just the princess who needs to be saved, but she ends up doing a lot of the saving in episode four and, and throughout the trilogy. But we have this kind of, this classic idea of good and evil. And even as good and evil are more fleshed out as the movies continue and as series continues and the stories and legends of Star Wars continue, even with it being kind of more, like, I think there's some, like, very basic characters, but there's also well-rounded characters, both as villains and as heroes. But even with all that, there never is this denying of this need to, for good or for evil. There's never this kind of, like, erasing uh, of that line. And even in the character of Ahsoka, which we only see in one episode in the Mandalorian se series, but if you've watched Clone Wars, you, you know a little bit more about her story. And some people are saying, oh, there's like a third faction. So you have the light side, the dark side, and then you have the gray Jedi, who are neither light nor dark. And although she wouldn't be really a Jedi, so in that sense she's not that, she still uses her power for good. 
And I, I think that's what Star Wars in this expanding universe has done so well, where some other shows maybe haven't, where they're trying to like blur the lines and they think they're making it interesting. What they're really doing is just, they're just making things to be sensational. But what Star Wars has done, I think, well, is to show us life, like you said, is complicated. But what is the goal, the end, the ethos of the yeah, world we're yeah. living into? Are we trying to bring about good in this world or are we trying to bring about our own will or really evil? Yeah. One of the things that scripture teaches us is that between the fall of Eden and the judgment of the living and the dead, we are trapped in this valley of the shadow of death. And in that, there is a heaven to be admired and a hell to be repulsed. And when you look at the Mandalorian and you look at the Star Wars ethos as a whole, it's not nihilistic. This is one of the things which has made the original trilogy so phenomenal. It also made, say, the movie Rogue One so, so phenomenal. And also why The Mandalorian is so much better than the sequel and prequel trilogy. Hate to say that out loud, but everybody's thinking it. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of division over those things. Yeah. Um, but you come to The Mandalorian and you're like, no, this is this is transcendentally good. And it reminds you that it's actually not hard to do Star Wars well. You, all you have to do is honor the foundation. That there is indeed a light side to be admired, a dark side to be repulsed. And in between the push and pull between these two poles, you can try to ignore them and take that nihilistic route. It's boring, <laughs> it's it's ugly, and it's well, not a very inspirational thing. Yeah. Well, I'll let you. Well, no, I was just gonna say, sorry to interrupt, but I think what we've seen in a lot of stories, not just in Star Wars, is those that try to ignore the push and pull or push the pull to the light side or the good side or, or the bad side, uh, often being neither more than often, more than not, puts you in the side of the evil. Yeah. Whether that is through your apathy or even your direct actions. Sure. Um, you, not that you don't have free will, you, you do, but when you try to just be nihilistic and to exist only unto yourself, you yeah. find that that actually causes more harm to the people around you. Yeah. And with that, we might go on to our next theme here, um, fatherhood. Mm. Aside from Barry Allen, The Flash, um, and his adopted dad, Joe West, in the CW's Flash series, um, which the first three seasons of that were really good. They were really shooting above, like, CW level there. <laughs> um, then they got dragged down. Then they, then they went back to CW level. Um, but aside from that, pretty much every dad since the late 80s, which The Simpsons came out in 1989, oh, if you wow. can believe that. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Every, every series since that, most dads have been some form of Homer Simpson. And... Which, of course, in our society, fatherhood has not been embodied well. But Mando in this actually shows what it really looks like to be a noble father. And you would not think Clint Eastwood's space dad would be the way <laughs> that our society needs to learn fatherhood. But the Lord use who he may. If, if it takes... Um, Clint Eastwood's space dad. If it takes Clint Eastwood's space dad to show people what it looks like to be a good father, I, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all in. Because what you see here is someone who does set aside their ways of old. And I don't mean he throws away the creed. He doesn't throw away the Mandalorian religion. But he throws away the thieving. He throws away the, the stealing and all that stuff. And his own personal ambitions and says, you know what? I've got to step up here. I've got to honor the creed. I'm going to honor this child. And he's the most important thing going on in my life. Well, I've got him. He might steal the little shiny knob off of the control over here. But... This is what life is. And and the dynamic they have there really is father and son. It's just portrayed so well 
And I don't know if you want to come in there on the macaroons or the whatever, but it's, blue it's macaroons. so perfect. I love it. And it, it is, it is, it is that um, kind of parental uh, exhaustion that, and it's phenomenal how Pedro Pascal and his uh, stunt devil do so well in all of their acting to portray, like, even though you can't see the, like, rolling of the eyes, you can imagine it behind the helmet when, uh, when Grogu or Baby Yoda or the child does things. And you just know... Even if you're not a parent yourself, if you've ever had to take care of another living creature, a pet, uh, if you've had it like long-term babysitting, or, or just to be responsible for another human life, um, it could be a sibling or a spouse or whatever it may be, a friend. If you've ever had to do that, you identify with that exasperation. And I think what's so phenomenal about this story, like you said, it is what what points Mando uh, or Jen or Din Djarin or whatever his real name is in the right direction is this care for another living being and we see that kind of that 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 force that pulls everyone else around them together and how mando kind of creates this family even if accidentally around him with some of these other characters uh, i mean obviously you have him and the child as the main set but everyone around him bega begins to become involved in this family when where they're willing to sacrifice yeah. everything for this child and, and I think this is so phenomenal and beautiful because I think a lot of our people, uh, if we were to put something on the hierarchy of needs, I think a lot of people in our culture today are wanting a place to belong, a community yeah. to be a part. Yeah. And, and and like we see in Mando's journey, he thinks he founds more Mandalorians and they end up not being yeah. that which he thought they would be for him. And he ends up finding his family, not in the people he thought he'd find family in, but in this creating love and compassion to one another now that doesn't mean you don't get annoyed with them it doesn't mean you don't fight sometimes um but there is this this self-sacrifice that takes preeminence for yeah. the other and i think it's done very well like you said it's portrayed very well it's i think again even being a a sci-fi western it's portrayed very realistically of these people these living beings that decide I'm gonna care for this other person to the other to the utter sacrifice of myself. Yeah, and what greater love is there than a man lay down his life for his neighbor? I mean, you find that biblical ethos in this, mm. and also to the point you have there. A lot of people are really hungry for that meaning, but the world has trained them to find that meaning in places that it can't be given to them. And you see that kind of displayed there with Mando. He thinks to fulfill being a Mandalorian, you need you know I need to find a more Mandalorians, you know, I'm cut off from my people. If I find more of them, it'll all be sorted out. But yet when he finds the princess of Mandalore... Well, he well, calls her princess. That's more of like name-calling than it is actually her title, but continue. Well, is Sorry. she not royalty? Well, her sister was a duchess. I really don't know how it works, to be honest, okay, how well, those titles work. The, but she is supposed to be the ruler of Mandalore at some okay. point. The ruling, the royal heiress of Mandalore, <laughs> when he encounters her... Um, she has kind of thrown away a lot of the, the creeds and the religious aspects of being a Mandalorian for politics. And he also finds out that she's not as much family as he was expecting. You know, but his creed, the religious truth of being a Mandalorian is actually fulfilled more with him and Grogu, who's an Jedi, supposedly, because he has this mysterious sorcery power of the Force. He finds that he's actually fulfilling that creed by not looking at what he was trained to look for, but actually just baking good on the talents that have been entrusted to him. You know, 
where the force will eventually come to you saying, well done, my good and faithful <laughs> servant. Enter now into the joy of your master. You know, you, you paid attention to the talents you actually had, not the ones you wished you had. Mm -hmm. He wishes he had the talents of all the other Mandalorians around him and everything being all well and good and I can just be a bounty hunter. But that's not the, the talents that the Force entrusted to him. What was entrusted to him was the little baby Yoda, Grogu. And if you want to actually step into the shoes of being the dad, if you want to make good on the way, don't let the world, don't let the dark side, don't let the nihilistic nothingness pull you away from that. But instead, step truly into that. So any thoughts on that before we get to our last little point here? Well, again, I think it'll be interesting then for us to see what happens in the next season and to use it as an analogy for our own lives. It does seem like once we feel like we've accomplished one goal, we're, we're thrust into another chaotic situation. But what do we do um, now that Mando's kind of had settled on who he was in the world? That's even been he, he really the best for the child was to give him up to, to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, so what does he do now? Who is he now? Yeah. Um, and now that he has this new power with the dark saber, and he does not want to rule Mandalore, which I think Bo-Katan, so the princess or the duchess, that character, uh, she, I think she wants to rule Mandalore with she has good intentions, but her character through other series have shown she's very uh, narrow, uh, sided in in what she thinks is going to be good. So it'll be interesting to see how that character evolves in this new series. But what does Mandalore? What does Mando do now? Um, that everything he thought he had built up for himself, this new way of life, or really living within the way, but but it looking different than he thought it would. Now, what is he going to do now that that's yeah. been stripped away from him? And, and I think that's just a good lesson for us in the idea of trust. Uh, what do we do when the things we trusted in didn't quite do what we thought they would? Yeah, and kind of picking up there on trust. The scriptures tell us there in Second Peter three, the Lord is not slow like some might count slowness. Furthermore, the scriptures remind us with great assurance, God is not ignorant of your works. God's not going to forget the, the labors that you have done. And when you look there at Mando, and I define providence myself when we make decisions that line up with the teachings and instructions of God rather than the sin nature, because we are made in the image of God, meaning there is this divine spark, but then there's also the sin nature. We have natural impulses, some of which are very simple, some of which are of God's design. And when we make decisions that line up with the godly design, providence comes to our aid. When we make decisions with the sin nature, you find yourself in a mess. Mando had made those decisions which line up with making good on the, t the talent, the gift that the, the force had given me, which in his case was just the responsibility of being a parent, which a lot of times the the thing which we think is a burden is actually a gift. I mean, it's the responsibility, it's the hard work of being a protector, of being a dad. That's the gift that is given to him, a very difficult task. But as he makes good on that, the Force does not forget. Luke Skywalker shows up there in that moment of great peril. And you do find that sort of providential happening which would not have happened. The show does a good job of setting it up. It's not just a coincidence, know, just a coincidence or just an accident. The right things had been done to put this in motion where not only does Moth, Moth Gideon know where the child is and he's able to abduct him, but also Luke Skywalker is made aware at the same time. And they kind of are all coinciding at this point where the good side, the bad guys, they all meet and Providence plays out. 
And you get some really cool looking dark troopers, which we're going to pull up here real quick. <laughs> they look a little bit like RoboCop meets the Terminator. Yeah, I, I think that would be probably my only um, big complaint with this series. I didn't really like them. Like, not the idea of them in the sense of like dark troopers, but just their, I guess their style just seemed a little bit, it took, I felt like I was watching a different TV show when they were on. Yeah. Um, but even with that, they do serve this very interesting purpose. Um, they give you, of course, more, more kind of villain henchmen for Mando to fight against and some very, very well choreographed, um, fight sequences that happen. They're, they're very good. But, um, you also have a little bit, yeah, with Moff Gideon kind of tricking Mando into defeating him. So now he has the dark saber, so that creates some some drama with Bo-Katan. But in all of that, yeah, you do have the Force shows up through Luke Skywalker, which was also a great sequence, um, and maybe gives us a little bit more hints as how we got to Luke Skywalker in episodes um, eight and nine, yeah. which will be interesting to see. But like you said, um, Providence shows up. But it doesn't show up maybe in the way, because even Cara Dune, who was part of the rebellion, yeah. right? She's like, one X-Wing, what's that going to do? <laughs> and yeah. Like, it, it doesn't show up the way they wanted. And it probably, actually, Mando may have been disappointed it showed up because then Grogu, Grogu goes with Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah, Providence, and it, Providence doesn't always save the day in the way we, we think it will. And it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even save the day the day we we need it to or yeah. we think we need it to but we do see this this hint in the show to the larger truth that's in our world um that one day a uh, good will will conquer um and it, it, it's just interesting as we live our daily lives how much we trust in that truth or not or do we trust in that truth that particular truth or do we trust in kind of the shadows of that truth that sure. we think are implementing the goodness? So Sure. And kind of to your point there, we want God to work in our time, in our way. And you can visibly see so many emotions through the helmet. And real. Like a lot of times Hollywood and the pop culture wants to kind of twist the emotions that men and fathers have into something they, they kind of don't. <laughs> but you actually see real fatherhood in this. And you see the real dad who's put on the point where, all right, my son is kind of going into another stage of life. And it's it's that moment where it, it actually shows you something real. And when you put that in the larger Star Wars ethos, it is tapping into a deeper meaning. It's not nihilism. It's not just this happens, then that happens. Like, yeah, that could happen in space, but they're, that's boring. It doesn't step into the cosmic truth, the cosmic battle there. But as you see Mando really come to, to who he is, I actually would be fine if they didn't have a, a third season after this. I know they're <laughs> going to, um, but it's kind of fulfilled what it needed to, and it set up a lot of stuff where it was just really good. And I was just so pleased to see a TV show put together which models owning up to the responsibility given to you, making good on the talents you actually have, not the ones you want, that actually recognizes good and evil are a, a thing, and it's, it's, a, it's a big problem you got to sort out in life. A lot of shows and a lot of things in popular culture want to ignore that. Um, to show fatherhood so well, to show that the fruits of dedicating yourself to the way, dedicating yourself to that deeper cosmic battle of light and dark, that actually is something that's meaningful to do. It will have something for you to reap in the end. 
And the fact that evil's out there being predatory, it's diabolical, it cares not for life, it will create chaos so it can then offer order. Just all the themes that are displayed in these two seasons are phenomenal. And that's kind of my wrap up there. I don't know if you have any final thoughts on all this. No, I, I, well, I, I guess I just, I really enjoy the show and it does bring us back, I think, to a classic Star Wars that invites us into a world much bigger than ourselves and much more chaotic than ourselves and yet still gives us steps uh, on how to bring about order and peace. And yeah. when I say order, I mean like godly order, not the first order, which again, the show does so well to hint at things. It hints at things in, in episodes past or shows past. It does well to hint at things that are going to happen in the future. It sets up shows that are going to happen that I'm really excited for, but it does it in a way where you don't feel like you're just watching eight episodes of backdoor pilots. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it was a phenomenally well-written show and like you said i think because it was well written and because the writers and the directors uh, even the costume designers everyone involved in the show wanted to produce something that was good and not that we want to shoehorn everyone into christianity because there is free will but i think when you try to do that which is good even in a tv show a fictional funny tv show that has no bearing maybe in the world the larger world around it when you try to do good in whatever capacity you begin to uncover God's goodness. Yeah. And even in little ways, even maybe accidentally, maybe on purpose, but as you uncover goodness, I think God's goodness will shine through even in something as, um, as something like a Star Wars TV show. And that's not a Unitarian argument. That's an argument that said God made the heavens and the earth and goodness belongs to him. When And when you step into goodness, you're stepping into something which is larger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And with the Mandalorian... I hinted at something earlier, and I want to clarify it. What they showed is that it's actually not hard to make a good Star Wars movie <laughs> or TV show. All you have to do is honor the source material and then tell the truth about the world around you. Don't just try to check boxes or something like this, that, or the other, or try to create a situation, or then try to reinvent the wheel and say, well, we're going to challenge this and that and the other. Life is a challenge in and of itself. Telling the cosmic battle between light and dark, that is the challenge that sci-fi is trying to bring you to, rise to the occasion. Being respectful of the truth of creation and its fallen state is the recipe to making something good. And they showed all of that in this TV show. Mm -hmm. It had those critical thinkings, people trying to pull you away. It had all of that going on there. And watching how the worldview of the Mandalorian did embody so many of the Christian elements, I just thought it was phenomenal. Um, so we'll wrap it up there. Pastor Amanda, could you pray for us in closing? Sure. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for your many blessings and may we always start in a posture of thanksgiving and praise to who you are and how you are acting. And so Lord, as we have had this conversation, as we have, uh, s sought you, may you continue to make yourself known to us and in our own chaos and in, in the own, uh, things of our world that are trying to pull us apart. May we find your peace and your love and just how you are ordering us into your image. So be with your people, we pray. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.